Hello guys, I am Ricardo de la Blanca. During the last 20 years, I've been working in different parts of the world where I met very interesting people. People who accomplish what seems impossible. People who make mistakes. Fun and passionate people. People from whom we are going to learn what no school or university can teach. We're going to learn from leaders. My brother, Raid, I'm so, so happy you accept to be in this calls to share your story. As I mentioned before, I believe it's time for leaders to show their stories, to show that hard time and difficulties have been always in, in the way of success, but is the way how we saw the problem into an opportunity, how we put positive energy in whatever we're doing that, that, that make this effect, this magic to transform whatever in something successful. So I remember in Harvard that where we met, that you mentioned all the story about Asia, how you start. So I think that your story is fantastic. And I really want you to please share with all the friends uh, what it was, you know, this, this story and part of your life. So thank you again, brother. I love you. And please tell me your story. Thank you, Ricardo. And thank you for having me. Listen, we all have stories, right? Mine just happens to be, I was born in the city of Detroit in the United States, but at a very, a very early age, the age of seven, uh, myself, my sister, who was five, and my parents uh, left the country, and I primarily grew up in Tokyo um, in Japan. So lots of great experiences. The interesting thing for me in Japan is, number one, is 0.001% of a population. It's a very interesting perspective. I have a tremendous amount of respect for Japanese culture, Japanese history, for the discipline that they exhibit, and all of those things um, really kind of made me uh, who I am and had me deal with uh, the variety of issues that we run into you know, in life. Returning to the United States for undergraduate university uh, was shocking. Right? I showed up at a school at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor looking like the majority of the kids on campus, but culturally being brought up very differently. So um, what appeared to be one thing, and this was a great lesson for me, what appeared to be one thing, I felt you know, kind of very different. So that transition um, back into the United States was uh, interesting to say the least, but eye-opening as well. And, you know, after that, I had, as you and I have discussed, kind of a, a journey that I have loved every minute of and loved the good times, loved the bad times, loved kind of all of it from a learning perspective. And I truly mean that. I went to New York uh, for a couple of years, started off as an analyst on Wall Street, uh, went to London for a year, went to Paris for two years, was recruited by an investment bank in Atlanta. But for the next eight years, literally spent two weeks every two weeks in Europe. So back and forth, four years out of the eight years in Europe. And that, leaving the States when I was seven, and the greatest benefit, my parents, both the first to go to university and their extended families, came from nothing, gave me that experience. The two greatest things that my father 
uh, did for me in his negotiations in his employment agreements were we were allowed, we, my sister and I, were allowed to go to the best schools and the company would pay for it that we could get into. And number two, so education is key where we met. Um, and it's the key to opportunity. And the second was brilliant that we could have a summer home leave, but with no predetermined route. So we could go from Tokyo to Detroit any way he chose. So one summer he would choose Mauritius and South Africa and Delhi and Bombay and Detroit. And another summer he would choose, and I, before the age of 16, was blessed to see and visit every continent except So for me, the world became a very small place. And so it was very easy for me when somebody said in New York one night as an analyst, oh, we're going to open an office in London, but you wouldn't want to go, Reed. You're doing well here as an analyst. And I immediately said, I'll go. And on a plane a week later. And that was the greatest professional gift for me because while I was working for a larger organization, I was responsible for doing everything, literally setting, I wasn't just an analyst, I had to set up, find the office space and get the work papers and incorporate the new company and do a reverse triangular merger with the US company. And you would run into no, 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 no. And I never took no, I, I just figured out ways to do it. So it gave me an opportunity to experience lots of different aspects of business that fueled what then led to an entrepreneurial path that I'll, I'll mention in a second. So coming back to Atlanta or moving to Atlanta rather, and then traveling back and forth to Europe, again, cultural experiences. I love, I'm not a big fan of the American uh, travel where they will comment that they have done Paris in a week or they have done something in a week. Like I much prefer, and I had the benefit of being able to just sit, right? Spend years, be able to just observe, be able to engage, be able to meet friends, be able to understand cultures. And so from a very early on, I just go back to my childhood. My father said, just do two things. You can travel with us if you want by doing two things. Shake people's hands, look them in the eye and introduce yourself and eat anything put in front of you. I love it, I love it. <laughs> and they're, they're very simple, right? And, 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 and things get much more complicated, we think, as we get older. But they're very, very simple, right? Food is shared throughout cultures, cultural experiences. We were never in a rush on any of these trips to see some site and then be done. My parents instilled this kind of wonderful sit, observe, listen, uh, in various cultures. So for me, that was an absolute blessing. What I did was, and you know, you and I have shared kind of pains and opportunities and so on and so forth. So what I did was when I left at the end of the 90s, the investment bank that I was working for in Atlanta and chose a more entrepreneurial route, it was a very interesting and eye-opening experience. And 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 for me, the biggest benefit was my largest failure. And I'll, I, I just want to touch base on it with, with folks because 
it was, it's easy to say you learn the most from your failures, but they're unbelievably painful at the time. And so at what point, you know, what can I learn from that that I might be able to avoid again in the future? And for me, it was the acquisition of a public company that I took private. And it was a 14D filing in which I became their largest shareholder and I tried to affect management change. And in essence, it was a semi-hostile takeover. And it was a two-year chess match. It was mentally the most stimulating exercise, strategy, planning that I had ever gone through. And when I finally, you could say convinced, you could say coerced, you could use good or bad descriptives, um, convinced the company to let me take it private and closed that deal, it was the loneliest day of my life. So what I mean by that is having won, I put kind of in air quotes, having won was not satisfying. And the idea that the world is a zero-sum game is a fallacy. Right, the world is full of abundance. And you know, with gratitude, and th this is a bit of a different conversation, but it, it, it can all be expanded, right? There are so many good things. So that business not only made me lonely having acquired it, but then subsequently became my largest financial loss years later. So the the learnings from that, and that is an interesting lesson for me from a pandemic perspective or from a recessionary perspective, and that's about downside deviation. We don't have to complain about the things that go wrong. We just have to anticipate and plan for them, right? We just have to realize that things are cyclical, that whether you say it's every five years or 10 years or 20 years, but the idea of going through life that this time is somehow different, you know, often uh, has pitfalls. So the interesting lesson from that quote unquote victory to a large financial loss was I hadn't, and this was caused largely by the Great Recession, the business was in the franchising space, uh, in the recession, when I had modeled out the leverage ratios for that business, I had not incorporated down 15% same-store sales numbers, right? We had downside. They had never had down same-store sales numbers. And as a worst-case scenario, I had modeled down 5%. So just a, a cautionary tale to those who are looking at opportunities, upside takes care of itself. Upside, you can laugh all the way to the bank, you can celebrate with friends, you can high five all you want, but that's not what keeps you in the game. What keeps you in the game is looking at downside deviation and kind of preparing for that. So the, the, the rebuilding of kind of myself out of that, but again, with things like that, with the loneliness that I felt, and then you could almost say the deserved loss that I received later, right? I mean, I, that isn't it, it was foretelling that something wasn't right about it. And do I wish it had ever happened? Would I ask for it to happen again? 
Probably not. Of course. Thankful for the experience and have I learned from the experience and the opportunities that it opened up for me um, going forward were amazing. It was two investors from that business who were large attorneys that introduced me into the medical and legal funding and servicing space that I'm in today that has built up into one of the three largest companies in its space in the country. It is one of only three companies with nine-figure balance sheets and bank financing in the space. And I never, that came from an idea that they expressed and a need that they expressed to me in 2010. And so I would have never had that opportunity. The other thing that is incredibly beneficial is that particular business helps those in need, right? It, it, it fundamentally, CherokeeFunding.com or GainServicing.com, whichever one that you look at underneath the umbrella of Cherokee Legal Holdings, are in the business of evening the playing field with insurance companies. And so fast forward, the idea of helping those in need and the idea of helping those uh, disadvantaged is far more satisfying than the just making money than widget making for profit. Well, well let, let me let me catch you here, right? Because I, I love your story, and so far, what I can summary for the people that are listening is that for you, oh my God, is such a core part of your life. This learning in everything you did, because your father, number one, put you uh, give, give a huge priority education. Second thing that I believe is amazing in life is live in different places. I think that the, what you learn from different cultures is, is exactly what you said. I think that give you a perspective that the world is not just this town, it's not just this city. So when you understand the, the and you live in Asia, Europe, and the state, basically you live, and also you, you know a little bit Africa. So in some way, you, you, when, the more you know, and again, it's not the, the typical education math or, no, no, it's about what you mentioned before that I love it. You read people, you are not in a hurry, you give respect, you try the tradition and the thing that they are doing. And this is a real learning. Learning, not just this, the, the typical tourist, uh, you know, landscape. No, no, no. Let's understand about the culture. Let's understand what are the values. Because from every single culture, we can learn so much and we can in some way bring to our table. And, and also, brother, I, I would like to go a, a little bit more deep because the, the, the friends that know you, we know that you are a super humanistic person. And, and I love that you do. So at the beginning, you were kind of preparing yourself through all this experience, all this learning, all this respect to different cultures. And, and, and then you have a business, but was kind of on math. But then you go, it's like a, you have a, a, a base, very humanistic through all this learning and experience. Then you go to business that is more kind of numbers, but then you go back to this core that is original you and find a way how you combine the finance and the numbers that you know, but with a social impact that in some way is what we're doing right now. So I also want you to, to go more deep in, because I remember that you are still helping a foundation organization there in, in Asia. So tell me more about this also. Yeah, so I, it's just the cycle of life, right? In hindsight, I was always searching and knowing that there was more 
And what do I mean by that? In Asia, growing up, it was participation in martial arts and the kind of discipline and the thoughtfulness that goes into that practice. As it evolved, I was exploring Shambhala and various forms of meditation. Um, my, my point is, and yet I was educated more as a quant, right? I was educated more towards finance. The investment banking process I find fascinating. I find the capital markets uh, industry helpful to so many companies. It's the growth aspect of that industry that I really uh, enjoy. But in the end, that was a spreadsheet that had me purchase the company that I mentioned and take it private. And in the end, that was a very hollow outcome. And it was a hollow success and it was a hollow failure. And, and so the, the reason that through that search, and I, I will say our involvement through YPO and you know, Brothers Worldwide, uh, it's the most beneficial organization that I've ever been a part of because it's talking to people like you who are willing to have these real conversations and explore. And so at its core, remember, People are the same. It's cultures that are different, right? We all have the same basic needs. We all have the same core desires. Culturally, it's different. So the respect or the listening or the engagement with or the understanding of cultures just leads to greater human connectivity. So you and I have talked about this before. Human connectivity is all we have. In the end, widgets or dollars or lack thereof, like those are temporary, they, they don't matter. Money, for example, is simply the byproduct of a process run well. So it, it shouldn't be the focus. And I found that when I was spreadsheet focused with that just being the case, it led to my largest failure. So for me, the building of the business that we're in of helping people and the engagement with organizations. And we could talk about, you know, with some of the social unrest that's going on, you know, right now in the United States, it, it just further fuels at the core, we humans are the same, it's culturally we're different. And so what is it that we'd like to encourage for each other? And that I think is opportunity, right? So when we talk about, you know, current events, for example, let's talk about opportunities that exist. Let's talk about education. Let's talk about, you know, those kind of areas equaling the playing field for all involved, right? Because I was absolutely blessed with a gift that I had no, I had done nothing to deserve. I was born to a father who came from nothing, but took a chance, went overseas, and exposed myself and my sister to all the gifts that I mentioned. So let's provide opportunities for others. And so in our core business today, where we're involved in equaling the playing field with insurance companies, and I could you know, kind of go on and on about that particular industry, which I don't think is the point, but at its core is the opportunity for people to rebuild their lives. The opportunity for people to receive medical care that they otherwise wouldn't receive. The opportunity for people to get back on their feet. 
and the opportunity for people to grow. So for me, you know, we've talked about various readings and various, you know, I have a, a wide variety of readings, but like one of the core, you know, books and kind of thinkings that I, that I go to often is the Ray Kurzweil's, you know, the singularity is near, right? And it's the opportunity for the future. Now that is a very complex confluence of nanotechnology and biotechnology and computer processing, but that we should all, if you look at kind of where the world is headed, that we should all have the opportunity to participate in. So, you know, my engagement is no more special than anybody else's, but what I do strive to do is make sure to expose and mentor and engage with as many young individuals that may not have those same opportunities as I do. I love it. I need to jump in the question, but you know what, right? Just the way, so I want people to observe how relaxed are you even talking? How, like when you said that your father teach you to don't be in a, so you are 100% in, in whatever you are doing. For example, since we are brothers, I saw the effort and the time that you spend with your kid playing basketball. That is fucking fantastic. This kid is the next Jordan. <laughs> but, and you know what? It's not that you send a driver to the field to bring your kid. No, brother, it's you there. And I was telling you before this call that I love this part because the impact in your kid and even in your life, you are putting the priorities where they should be. So, and the more we are, um, look, I have a ghost, the more, the more we, we really understand the, the, the important things in life, family, how to bring a education to this, the, the, the people that we are close to, a working in a company that is not just making money, but a beautiful social mm -hmm. impact. This is, I don't know, I think this is the magic of not just money, success, but happiness, happiness. So right. I, I'm gonna jump because the questions are gonna keep us talking. So how old are you right now? Right. 53. 53. Do you remember when was the, or how old were you when you made the first dollar or the first uh, money? I was seven. <laughs> I love it. I love, I love my brother that I started really <laughs> early. <laughs> Do you remember what you were selling? A hundred percent. I was, <laughs> again, this was a gift from my father. So my father um, was in the advertising business. When I was seven, we originally moved to Adelaide, Australia. My father, when Lee Iacocca took over Chrysler, which prior to the last recession was the largest bailout in US history, he was sent to Australia initially to launch the Japanese joint venture because Lee Iacocca believed that we were getting our lunch eaten um, by the Japanese in manufacturing. And so started that joint venture initiative, but basically said to my father, you're going to go launch this product in Australia because the demographics are similar to in the United States. And if it works there, it will work here. And if it doesn't work there, we'll bury it and you. And so that was the opportunity that my father jumped at. And when I arrived, as they were doing the creatives for the launch of these products, they said, oh yeah, yeah, we need some kids in the background. And I mean, so, I mean. I started, right, so I started off as a childhood actor uh, in various commercials and so on, and got my first paycheck when I was seven. I love it. 
if you fast forward to that, when we went to Japan, I continued doing that and then got my first uh, job outside of acting at the age of 16, literally when I went to wash dishes in a restaurant. I love it. And you know what? I love these starts. When you, for example, the other Boyan, I told you, he left Bulgaria with $700 that the whole family collect to start. He was cleaning this and that, but now he's a CEO and successful person. I believe the more, brother, we are in such a really tough situation and very human, very down, we are more sensitive and, and respect. The, I remember my kid, uh, many, maybe two years ago, he had an incident with a car, with a mom, mom car, and we knew, okay, we're going to pay for the car, but you need to pay us back. And he started working in, a, in a making burgers. And the first day that he came home, he said, oh my God, daddy, I will never throw again a paper in the floor because... I was cleaning all the floors and I, I, I now understand the effort. So it's very important for us to put our kids in, in, in not, it's not a bad situation. It's simple, any kind of situation because they need to learn from different people, different works. And, and in, based on that, they are going to be more focused. Okay, you know what? I want to study because I don't want to be in my life cleaning. Bad. So fantastic. Right. So uh, the, the first entrepreneurial business that you did, uh, right. What, what do you remember? Or do yep. you remember? So sure, sure, sure. So the, um, the, the not so proud to admit business was, uh, that was entrepreneurial and not working for others as the two jobs that I just mentioned was my senior year, um, in high school, my parents left. My father was reassigned back to Detroit, but I was ingrained in the school, the activities, et cetera, and I asked to stay. And the interesting thing was my best friend had an older brother who had gone off to university, so I was able to live. I asked, and they said yes, that I could live with his family. They were used to having two boys. They had a spare bedroom. We were close friends, et cetera. And so my parents left me with X number of dollars to uh, survive for the, my senior year. And I thought, what do I do with this? And so I started a lending business and I took that money and lent it to others. And in essence was a juvenile loan shark. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> so, but you know what? I think that these kind of things are in the core of us. So we are all thinking and thinking and reinventing. I love it. Okay. Uh, what is the biggest success in your life? So that's a, the biggest success, I have to go to kind of the children and family. I mean, because there's nothing more important. Absolutely. My daughter, Kate, has just graduated from high school. I engage with her. You were mentioning my son, Reed, who we engage around basketball. She had a passion for neuroscience and have engaged with her in the neurological research labs at Emory University, where she's been working. In answer to your, uh, or as, as comment to your point earlier about the opportunities for them to get out of a bubble or out of a situation and see different parts of the world, this summer, for example, 
she's working in a restaurant, like literally to get out of the research labs to like see what that kind of customer experience and interaction, right? Those are two very, very different things. And um, she'll be going to the University of Michigan in the fall and I'm super proud of her. And to see her growth and develop, I mean, there's nothing like children. My middle daughter, Jane, um, is an actress and I support her in those endeavors. My, she's 16. My uh, son, Reed, uh, plays basketball. And as you've seen on social media. I'm gonna, put, I'm gonna put a small video here in the middle to show you guys. It's amazing, amazing. <laughs> anyway, he does, he does some good stuff. And the point about that is though, that is not me driving that process. That is the work ethic that he has. So our agreement is, as long as you're driving this, yes is the answer. Like I'll support you. But I'm not here to promote something. I have no desire to produce an athlete of a certain caliber for my own ego. It doesn't have anything to do with me. I will support you in your passions. And I'm thankful that I have the ability and the flexibility you know, to do that. And then I've been married to Susie now for 21 years. And really that, and, and I will say the pandemic, um, that has occurred really worldwide, but you know, here in the United States allowed all of us to spend more time together. And I couldn't have been more thankful for, I'm sorry that the, I never would have wished a pandemic to spend more time with my family, et cetera. But that has just been amazing. If, if you talk about other successes, um, I think that it's the connectivity angle. In other words, I feel confident today that if you needed something that I could connect you. And I believe that that is our greatest gift. It's partly the result of just getting older, you know more people. Um, but the ability to be able to call and introduce people and wherever that goes, it doesn't matter, right? But the ability to connect people, I'm incredibly thankful for that success. I feel that that's a talent that I have and a willingness that I have that um, benefits others and gives me great, great, great satisfaction. I agree, and, and it's funny because yesterday I have another interview, and we were talking about the same, the the value of the network. So it's it's, it's incredible. And again, we are not doing this for business. We are not doing this for making money. It, it's like a I don't know. It's it's like I know it, I don't want to say it's a hobby, but it's something that we enjoy meeting more people, learning from more people, giving value to this person. And you know what? In the future, I don't. So I'm not waiting anything back. It's just, just having this person that we know and they are successful and we can help in any way. So it's a contribution. I don't know. It's, it's, and, but I agree with you 100% that is a huge, a huge asset that, that we have. I also share with you the same, uh, the same passion. I think one other thing to, to really share is the transition. Like I wish I could say I was as centered and as... Um, Calm, you said my entire life, but that was not the case. I was very energetic, would be the positive, high strung would be the negative, 
as a kid, like really, really focused on doing and doing and doing and doing and achieving and so on and so forth. And that's what led to kind of the loneliness at the close of that transaction in 2007. And that's why I said, I don't know if I would have wished for it, but I'm very thankful for it because the unwinding of that, and in that process, by the way, I never and the company never declared bankruptcy despite the fact that that would have been an easy outlet um, and legitimate route to go. I mean, the bankruptcy courts are set up for those kind of things. And I had just um, for sharing purposes, I had eight figures in contingent liabilities. I mean, that's a big weight that when you have the responsibility for a family and a community and others, like that's a big weight. And so the greatest success, I think, is in that failure because every creditor was paid without utilizing the bankruptcy courts. My equity went to zero and was part of the payoffs and so on and so forth, but that's okay. Like uh, that, Working out of that situation kind of honorably, if you will, was probably my greatest success, which may not or may be counterintuitive to folks because, wait a minute, you lost a significant amount of money and all of that's true. But how I dealt with that and the refocus to understand that going and going and going and reminding myself of the lonely feeling that I had when I quote unquote won was probably my greatest professional success, if you will. I love it. One question, right? Do you have um, an amount of money to stop working or you will never stop working? No interest in stopping. <laughs> I love it. I, I, I really don't know. So as I've continued to grow this business, um, I will probably transition, sell, merge at some point over the next few years. But the opportunities that continue to open, and I could be the acquirer in the follow-on business, I could be the acquiree, I could, but, but for example, through the program that uh, you and I met in Boston, I had also met a gentleman in Chicago and now sit on the board with private health, private equity healthcare company and now sit on the board of some of his companies and also have connected people that have then been acquired, et cetera, et cetera. And that, the, the, the utilization of the Rolodex, if you will, to just term it, um, to benefit others is something that some people call work, but it's a little cliche. I've never worked a day in my life. It's true. I agree. Find, find something you love or do something else. And I understand that is why we talked about opportunity for others and so on and so forth. If you don't have opportunity and you don't have choices, it is very, when you are trying to put food on the table and you are trying to subsist, that is a very different conversation. But if you've reached the point where you can make those choices, then make sure you do something you love or call it whatever you want. But the idea that work is somehow burdensome should never be the case. And so I will continue, you ask about work, I will continue working or call it whatever you want for the rest of my life. 
I love it. Me too. One person that is an inspiration of or a legend for you. You have someone that is a kind of inspiration. So, <laughs> yes. But that falls into a multitude of uh, categories. So Ray Kurzweil, I mentioned the singularity is near. The idea of a futurist thinker who has been more accurate than any other over an extended you know, time period and the initiatives that um, he takes, I, I think are phenomenal. Um, if you talk about kind of faith-based inspiration, Pope Francis. If you talk about um, athletic inspiration, um, there's a multitude. I'm surrounded by basketball players at the highest level. Um, if you talk about kind of social justice inspiration, um, I think given the current circumstances, Martin Luther King Jr. and the initiatives that he uh, has built over the years. And there's two gentlemen taking up that flag today, Chris Stewart and Justin Miller that are here in town. Um, so inspiration kind of falls in a, in a handful of different categories, but those are a few. The best advice that someone gave you? Shake their hand and eat anything put in front of them. I love it. I love it. Okay, <laughs> one question. How many days do you do exercise? Five days a week. Love it. Uh, do you eat it healthy? Very. That, that I give, I've got to give credit to my wife, Susie. Um, she has, for many, 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 many years, made sure and instilled extremely healthy eating in our in our diets so yeah no, i'm asking this kind of question because i also want to put very clear that success is not just killing yourself working the passion but also taking care of your body at the end of the day it's very important to also do that the balance so in, in you are a fantastic case of balance brother so at what time do you go to sleep depending on the day between 10 30 and 12 30. got it i wake up between 5.30 and 6.30. You're part of my sick club of bastards that we really wake up. Very, I love it. Okay, um, the best book, if you need to recommend one book, what would do? What would you recommend? Just one. No, you have many, but just so one. I, I, correct. So I already talked about The Singularity is Near. Everybody should read that. Um, Good to Great by Jim Collins, but actually, ironically, what's on, so and I read a lot, and I've got a large library, so what's on my, okay, at the moment is The Magic, and The Magic is a 28-day program of gratitude, and it will change your life. Wow, right, it's crazy that all my friends, in fact, all our friends, instead of giving because good to great yes is, is for business but the majority of us and i'm not including myself because I'm, I'm i didn't go so deep but you all guys 
are very uh, recommending a, a, spirit, a spiritual thing, more deep thing. So for me, I'm learning literally to yeah. change and to try different things because it, it's fantastic that all of you guys, uh, the recommendation is not a book of business or number. No, no. It's a more, you know, more. Uh, and, and I also remember that in class, um, a re I remember all the classes where they push us to be more responsible uh, and understand the impact that we in you know, our companies can make just doing the right thing. So uh, I love that. Uh, and uh, I, this was a point also that I'm, I mixed with something else that I, we are living in a world where people want to do something fast, learn something very specific to make money really specific, very fast. But for example, for us, Harvard, what I, what, one of the things that I, was most touch is all the uh, push to do something very uh, social with the impact of what we're doing. So I believe the university really uh, is an important factor to create better person. I literally, brother, I believe that I'm a better person through this program because I was more conscious about whatever we do have a can, can be fantastic. So instead, stop complaining and do something in your company because whatever you do in your company, the impact is going to be fantastic. Correct. We have, you know, given the, the current and, and keep in mind, the vast majority of our clients are minority. So the current Black Lives Matter movement, if you will, that is um, kind of nationwide, worldwide being talked about, led by many, but Chris Stewart and Justin Miller that I mentioned. Um, the initiatives around that, so for example, exposing people to Brian Stevenson and the Equal Justice Initiative, like there are actionable steps that people can take to create greater opportunity for others. So like that's some of the current initiatives and these are not currently trendy, right? It, it's currently front and focus, but the point is it, it is something that our business and our extended community can help affect change. And that is far more satisfying to be able to help affect change, not only today, but for future generations than anything else that I can imagine. And the, the magic, as I was talking about being a 28-day program focused on gratitude that I guarantee will change your life, um, these things are not quick fixes, right? They are things that you can implement. And as long as you ingrain them, then that's how you make lasting change. So you just mentioned that you find people wanting to quickly learn something or quickly make money. Another author that I would um, encourage listeners to engulf is uh, Malcolm Gladwell. So in his basic construct, he says, it takes 10,000 hours to become an expert at anything. So there is no such thing. Look at people, to, to look at Elon Musk today. Don't look at what Elon Musk's successes are today. Look at the successes previously, the struggles prior to that, and the investment that he made in himself in learning, engaging, and so on and so forth in futuristic products that he's now brought to, to light with both SpaceX and Tesla. So the second piece of Malcolm Gladwell, in addition to the 10,000 hour rule, 
is a wonderful book, um, Things Money Can't Buy. And that takes you to the next level of conversation, which I think is much more engaging. And that is the moral questions around the capitalist system. And so that takes you to kind of another level. So I, I just use your question as the opportunity to mention another. Oh, no, I love it. I love it. Okay. And the last question, the advice, brother, what is the advice that you give to the people that are listening in this crazy time? So in this time, so I'm going to do two things. Number one, the greatest surprise of the pandemic on our business was Number one, these are just small business commentaries. Number one, the systems that we had invested in starting in 2013 that were both scalable and cloud-based turned out to be essential and allowed us to immediately move to a remote workforce without hiccup, okay? Number, number one, that so investment kind of in your business systems and platforms. The number two learning from this was that an idea, the gainservicing.com uh, website that I mentioned in business, was on our to-do list for the year 2020. Well, the pandemic hit, we went remote, we finalized that business, launched its website, pitched its product, and contracted with clients in 60 days. Amazing. Amount of productivity, and this is where you have to look at your existing business models, and I'm only talking about business first um, in answer to your question, and that is <clears throat> people's ability to produce is magnificent. Our fear as leaders about remote workers not working is often unfounded. We know now who has done what. And my point is people have been in our organization amazingly productive. And the things that we have brought to action and completion have moved far faster than they did in a pre-COVID world. So I would ask each of us to really look at what we thought was normal, what we thought was a normal time frame, what we thought was normal productivity, and challenge all of those assumptions. On a personal note, I would just say, stay connected, but in order to be connected to others, you have to be connected to yourself. You have to be able to look in the mirror. You have to be able to point at yourself first. You have to be able to take responsibility. You have to be able to own your stuff. And you have to be comfortable in your own skin. And if you can find that place, then you can genuinely connect others because you're believable and you're trusted. And that takes a long time to build and an instant to destroy. So cherish that. Brother, this was not an interview. This was a fucking masterclass. I love you, my friend, for sure. This I is love you. you. No, no, I'm, I'm really happy to have this call. And I knew that you were bringing such a fantastic inspiration for every single person. So, brother, big hug. Hope to see you soon. I don't know where, but thank big you again. Big hug. Big hug. Look forward to it. <laughs>